Welcome to episode 25 of Next Gen Combos. Today we interview Jeff Sunio, who is a legal advocacy for unhoused youth. The material and information presented here is provided by lived experience youth and for general information purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are of the guests of our podcast own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of youth move. Hi, everyone. This is an interview with Jeff. How do you say your last name? Yeah, last name's Cunio. Oh, it actually Cuneo. it actually depends on who you're asking. My family, my my mom pronounces it Cuneo. So, <laughs> okay, thank you. Could you tell your like what you do in your organization? Yeah, sure. So I am Jeff Cuneo. I'm the executive director of the Colorado Homeless Legal Project, and I started. It's a nonprofit uh, based in Denver, but serving throughout Colorado. Uh, I started about a year and a half ago. What it does is it provides civil legal services for youth and young adults experiencing homelessness or, or even at the risk of experiencing homelessness. So what I have tried to set up is a, a system where I work with various nonprofits and agencies to provide legal assistance to folks who, who need it. I work with a number of different agencies in the Denver metro area, Volunteers of America, their Bannock Youth Center. I work with Urban Peak. I work with Dry Bones, another provider. I work with Family Tree, their their homelessness program. I have a contract with the Office of Child Representative. It's the basically the administrative body overseeing the attorneys for dependency and neglect cases, some other cases as well. And I and I work with their attorneys on issues that they can't handle uh, in the dependency and neglect cases. Thank you. That sounds like an amazing organization to help people experiencing homelessness in the youth population. I also would like to know how did you first get into this line of work, like working with nonprofits? If you could share a little bit about that, that would be great. Okay. I'll try to make this as short as possible. So I was, I've always, my legal career has always kind of been oriented towards youth and young adults. So I moved to Colorado from Sacramento, California about eight years ago. And in California, I was a public defender, specifically a juvenile public defender. I was hired specifically for that, that area of law. So I spent 10 years representing kids in delinquency system, as well as kids who were direct filed into the adult system. And at the same time I was doing that, there was a, a youth homeless shelter in Sacramento. It's called WIND. And my mother actually served on the board for WIND for a while. So I, I had some connections there and I went over to, to them and I said, hey, look, do you need a, a pro bono attorney that might help, you know, some of your youth who have legal issues that arise from time to time? So about 20 years ago, I started a once a month legal clinic at the, at the WIND shelter where I would go in and talk to kids and young adults and, and see what legal services I could provide. So I came over to Colorado, like I said, about eight years ago. Um, I did the same type of stuff. I opened my own like legal shop, my own law firm. I worked with kids in the delinquency system and then youth who are direct filed or transferred into the adult system as well throughout Colorado. 
And then at the same time, I, I kind of did the same thing. I walked over to the Bannock Youth Center and I just said, hey, do you need a lawyer to help your clients with whatever legal issues they might have? So they said, yeah, we could really use a lawyer. So I started working with Bannock and then I made the transition about a year and a half ago to really focus on this population full time to kind of get out of the delinquency and adult criminal justice system and to focus more on these civil legal issues that, that youth might need an attorney for. So that's kind of my background. That's awesome. Thank you. I also would like to know, like, what are some of the barriers that young people deal with in legal situations, whether it's like just getting like harassed by the police or like, you know, they they can't like afford different legal things and then they struggle to find those resources. Yeah, I think you nailed it. The biggest barrier I see is access to quality legal representation when when legal representation would be very, very helpful. You know, I think there's, and I'm going to include my nonprofit in this, there's like a bunch of, you know, kind of legal services organizations that, you know, they'll do something, but they won't do something else. They'll, they'll help you with this legal issue, but they won't help you with that legal issue. And I think it's really tough for youth experiencing homelessness to kind of wade through all that and figure it out. And so what happens, I find a lot is, is that either A, they try to ignore it because they don't know what to do or who to go to or how to proceed. Or two, they they try to they try to do it themselves, but you know they're in a system that is kind of hostile to them and is not looking out for them and is uh, honestly sometimes just opposed to their interests and they don't have anyone there advocating for them. So I mean that, that's why I got into what I, I I'm doing now is because I do think it's very important that youth in this youth in our community get the ability to have a lawyer that they can go get a lawyer if they need to who will advocate for them specifically in all these situations who will be strong for them in a courtroom who will be strong for them with outside agencies government agencies whoever is you know opposed to them so that's that's why I started I'm trying to think what else I, I think also just like uh, you know these are these Court processes are, are complex. They're not, and they just get more complex and they're hard to, to navigate and they're hard to understand and they're hard to know what to say and when you say it and who to say it to. And it can be scary too, right? Like I talked to a lot of folks who are just, they're scared. They don't know what they're facing, what's going to happen. They, I mean, I can, I can relate to this, but you think the worst is going to happen, right? You, your mind goes to a place where like, oh my gosh, I'm just this is going to be a terrible outcome for me. And I think just having folks who like me and other people to explain things, just, just explain things at a very minimum can reduce some of those barriers and, and just point people in the right direction to get help. I think the last thing I'll say is that, you know, a lot of stuff I deal with isn't like, hey, I'm in a courtroom arguing in front of a judge. A lot of it is I'm a lawyer who's dealing with you know, maybe a land, a landlord or dealing with a, a custody issue and that I can bring that kind of expertise to this, to the, not, not to a courtroom, but to like whatever kind of barrier the youth is facing to, to become successful or to do what they want to do in their lives. And I think that has, I found that to be very helpful for, for folks and for kids and for youth is that just, just me kind of lending just my lens to the 
to the issue that might be getting in their way or, or you know, not letting them get housing or not letting them get whatever benefits or, or just move on with their life, right? That I have this old conviction. How, how can I get rid of it? I, I found that to be very helpful as well. With that being said, do you have like any recommendations for other organizations that work with youth to help them make sure like their young people understand their rights, maybe within even the organization, like when they're unhoused or like, you know, have any recommendations on just understanding their rights when they're outside of that organization as well? Yeah. So that that has been a long time kind of passion of mine that in this space, in this community, and all these like goodwill people trying to do good in the world, we kind of they they leave out the legal kind of aspect of it all, and specifically the legal education piece of it all. So you know, I think working with local nonprofits to kind of put on and you know know your rights kind of nights, you know those kind of things can be extremely helpful. I also think that just getting legal services to be thought of as part of the solution to uh, folks, you know, who are experiencing homelessness, who want to do, go on in life and want to do other things and having the conversation about at the very beginning, when folks come into the, the organization or the program, like, hey, do you have any legal issues that, that need assistance? But, you know, what are they, you know, and I've noticed that most of the nonprofits I deal with, the legal aspect of, of someone's life is, is kind of just not even discussed. And it only comes up like later in life. It's like, oh, wait, I have an eviction on my record. Now I can't go, you know, rent this, this landlord won't let me go get this apartment. Well, if that, you know, if you would have come, if we would have surfaced that issue two, three months ago, when you first walked in the door, you know, we could have been working on that and try to try to triage and try to find some solutions for you. So it's it's been a big, what do you say? It's, uh, it's it's something that the the nonprofit world in this space doesn't do a very good job of in my in my uh, experience, and I would really like to see. I mean, look, housing is the most important, food security, those kind of things. I understand, but that we can elevate a little bit the discussion about legal barriers and involve attorneys at a at an earlier point in time in these programmatic kind of things that they do, so that folks can move on with their life and, you know, do what they want to do with their life and be successful the way they want to be. And that we can knock down those barriers at the beginning instead of, you know, it's very defeating to move along a path in three, four or five months in, oh, there's this legal barrier that is now going to keep me from getting that job. It's going to keep me from getting that, that house, that apartment. And that can be very defeating for folks. So I, I would like to see more front end discussions about the legal barriers that folks have, that youth and young adults have at the very outset so we can get working on them right away. Yeah, I agree. Cooper, you have your hand raised. So I, I know you just talked about the um, legal barriers to, you know, in order for helping people that experience homelessness. I know that to me, that's just one part of the equation of many if we want to get people experiencing homelessness, you know, better lives, you know, obviously I'm all for 
creating affordable housing facilities for those people, but that doesn't really do anything about their ability to pay rent, you know, for example, that doesn't really do anything about you know, substance abuse. There, and the point that I'm trying to make is that homelessness is such an exceptionally complex issue that it it's not just it's not just one thing. It's not just, you know, it, it's not just a lack of housing, but it's also wages it's you know the cost of living rising it's what i just mentioned so do you consider it to be your role to change the conversation around these several other factors that are causing people to experience homelessness or if not what what do you consider you know do you believe that it's important for you to change the conversation about these other factors that may cause homelessness? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm personally not a great public speaker, so, uh, <laughs> but I, I do see, I mean, narrowly what I see my role is this. I want to knock down legal barriers that get in the way of people becoming successful in their lives in the way that they define their own success, right? But I think we're all part of a, a larger kind of community and that it's important to talk about, like what you said, access to affordable housing. You know, I mean, like, I can't tell you how many evictions I've done and the sky high rents that occur in the Denver metro area and, and how much I've seen the change in rents and the practices and some of the practices of, of landlords that are not beneficial to tenants and lead to eviction, unnecessary evictions, right? Also, like you said, substance substance abuse is a big issue and getting people the treatment and help they need in a timely basis is part of the conversation as well. So I would say, yes, I would. I have not done a lot of, you know, general advocacy work. I've been more kind of paying attention to my lane and I'm very passionate about my lane, which is like, hey, get these folks legal services when they need them. <laughs> like, don't. Don't make the legal system and legal issues another barrier. Like, let, let there's ways to kind of figure this out early and often and help folks. So that's kind of been my focus. But I I, I do take your point, Cooper, um, and I think it's an important one. Yeah, well, th thank you for uh, answering my question. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, you're, you're focused on the legal barriers, and that is quite important. You know, I think that's a very important role that you have. I do think that, you know, that nonprofits, though, I mean, I would hope at the very least that, you know, working towards ending houselessness, poverty, you know, we'd all be in solidarity with one another and we'd call out some of these barriers whenever you know they come up, you know, and, and you just happen to specialize in legal barriers, which is terrific, you know, and definitely something I've, I've definitely learned a lot more about um, during this conversation. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. Like when youth or young people get housed, they have all their basic needs met, but then it's like it goes further than that. It goes more in depth of like what they have to do, what they have to get taken care of, legal stances. Just like me, I was housed and then I found out one of my cases like from so many years ago wasn't even closed. And I was released from jail. I signed all these papers thinking that, you know, the case was closed when it really wasn't. And I had to go back, you know, 10 steps back to 
get that thing care of and then move forward with my life. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's it a struggle. To think, I think Savannah, uh, you know, yeah. these kind of things, because a lot of problems is like these, the, the system, the judicial system doesn't communicate well. Right. <laughs> like it just doesn't, it just expects like, Hey, this is what we're doing. So, so, you know, there you go, but it doesn't yeah. communicate. doesn't, Listen, it doesn't like say, hey, this is how you can take care of it. This is what you can do. Oh, by the way, you you still have these issues. It's just kind of like, well, we we mailed out our notice to the last known address. So now it's on them. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, it's not a good thing. Yeah, I know from like when I was unhoused, experiencing like different treatment throughout the government. Do you see that when, you know, it's a person housed versus unhoused, how the government like treats them in court. And, you know, there is a difference, I feel like. I think there is. I mean, I know there is. I shouldn't say I think. Yeah, I think from I think in many different aspects. Right. Number one, just the appearance in court. Right. That people kind of, you know, there's more side eyes from the judges. There's more kind of, you know, you know, pauses from people and they think, that I don't want to say the person's less than, but like, you know, they maybe don't deserve the kind of rights and representation that other people deserve because of where they're at in life. Right. And so they're just from that initial kind of look from the bench, you can, you can see it. I think also just the, the barriers that people have when they're experiencing homelessness and the difficulties accessing the court system services, Maybe there are some requirements from the court to do certain things. There's little to no kind of understanding of those barriers and how, you know, they can help work around them. Right. So the so the judicial system comes at you with here's here's our here's our cookie cutter solution. You fit into it. If you don't fit into it, that's your fault. <laughs> it's not because our processes and procedures and the way we've set things up is somehow difficult or you know not in a way that you can easily access. It's because of your life issues and where you're at, and that's why you're not doing what you need to be doing. That's what you get a lot of from the system. So yeah, I think in those at least two ways, there's significant barriers and differences of how people experiencing homelessness are treated in the judicial system from those who are not. Yeah, I agree. Since I've been through it, it's like, it, it feels like, you know, your human rights are being taken away and then you give, you're, like you're given some other kind of rights, even though it's not supposed to feel like that. Yeah, that's why I'm advocating for having to get people attorneys. I mean, you know, there's no better equalizer than an attorney walking into a courtroom and advocating for you. Uh, it's hard. It's just hard to advocate for yourself. I mean, just from the point of view, I always say like, you know, you're talking about your own life and your own self. Just it, It's just hard to have conversations with judges and other attorneys about you. It's very, it's much easier when I'm the attorney talking about my client, although I have compassion and empathy for my client, but I can, you know, I don't get triggered or, or, or emotional at like you would if, when you're talking about your own life, right? Which is just, normal. so that's, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you 
talk about like what the most common crime that like youth commit nowadays, like being unhoused and like being in the struggle and being experiencing homelessness. Yeah, you see a lot of petty crime, right? And petty crime, I mean, like I just met with a 22-year-old client last week on a trespass case in Aurora, right? That he was told to move and he was slow in doing so. (laughs) And the police came out and, and ticketed him. You see a lot of that unlawful camping, trespass on private property, which you know, is technically private property, but right, it's it's more like open space, uh, you know, parking lot kind of places. That although I I understand why it's considered private property is, you know, more of a quasi public space in my opinion. And then and then just more petty 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 thefts kind of stuff, uh, you know, stealing for for food and and, and essentials. I think in some jurisdictions in this state, they do a decent job of understanding the motivation behind some of these issues. And I think other jurisdictions don't differentiate the motivations. And I mean that by saying, you know, I don't meet a lot of youth experiencing homelessness who get caught up in the criminal justice system, you know, trying trying to be criminals, right? They're not intending to have this life of crime and commit all these crimes. I mean, and I look, in all full disclosure, I've I've represented, you know, people who've been charged with homicides and, and, and things like that. Um, and so these are people who are just doing what they need to do to get by uh, for the day. And I would hope, and it's not true, but, you know, there needs to be a differentiation in the criminal justice system in what is motivating it. And then they're not going to do this, but try to push in support for people who can easily, can easily, we can easily find solutions for, right? Who, who don't want to be in the criminal justice system and are only there because of the circumstances that they found themselves in. So you talk about um, petty crimes, like, you know, maybe stealing or trespassing. Um, I, I, the reason why I bring up this question is because, you know, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about you know, how we respond to these kind of crimes. I mean, like the government, you know, police force. Do you feel that the, you know, those trying to enforce the law are seeking more to punish people to do these, you know, punish people that commit these crimes rather than, you know, reach out in assistance of people that may need help, you know, including these people that are committing these petty crimes what what do you think about the response i mean because i work throughout like the denver metro and even some colorado the the responses are different from each locality right like honestly denver does a little bit better than say uh douglas county right (laughs) like douglas county will they they're they are have a more law enforcement focus to these kind of issues where Denver, Denver does have, you know, workers that, that try to respond to the underlying conditions of, of people and not just criminalize. Now, I will say, you know, just in general, like police officers are taught to enforce the law and make arrests when they need to, to do so. And so it's hard to get police departments to get off of that first instinct that that is their only role. 
And so I think like what Denver's doing by, you know, pushing in non-police officers on some of these issues is a, is a good way to start because they bring just a different lens and a different focus and a different intent to their work, right? So yeah, I, I hope that answered your question. It's just, no, it's just that, that's it's perfect. different wherever you go, right? It's just different. Like you go here and this is the, yeah. that's the thing. Our police departments and our justice system, uh, they're very local. And they're local. And so you get all of these different types of responses, depending on where you are in mm-hmm. the state. Yeah, no, no, that that's a great answer. And I, I bring that up because I actually used to uh, work as a VISTA in another state in Oregon. I mentioned that on a past podcast episode. And the the reason why I bring this up is because the city that I temporarily lived in Eugene, Oregon. They have this system called cahoots, which uses social workers to interact to with people that may have committed these kinds of petty crimes instead of police officers. So as to de-escalate the situation rather than, you know, to punish or even have the situations become escalated and result in unnecessary deaths. So I think it's good to see that, you know, the city of Denver is responding by having these, you know, workers instead respond to these crimes. I I think it's a step in the right direction because I'm a believer that these people need help more than, you know, they are committing crimes because, you know, they have bad intentions. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And also... Don't forget, every time you get put in the criminal justice system, it costs money. There's going to be fines. There's going to be fees. There's, it's just, it, it's death by a thousand cuts in a lot of ways for this stuff. So, and a lot of times what I see on the petty thefts is the offer is plead guilty for a fine, right? From folks who can't afford to fine in the first place. But oftentimes they take it because the risk of, you know, not usually jail, but, you know, something more punitive is real so yeah fines are not fun especially when you don't have the means to pay for them and for our young listeners out there how can youth access your services do they go online would they go into like your office or all of the above yeah the best way to go is to the website it's www.coloradolegalproject.org I have a little form at the end of that uh, is one of my tabs that you can fill out an online like request, just like, hey, here's my name. Here's my contact information. Here's the legal issue that I'm encountering. Um, I think that would probably be the easiest way to get to me. So it's www.coloradolegalproject.org. It's all one word, all lowercase. Okay. And then um, just one last question. When they do access services through you guys, would they have to pay like a fine or a fee any any time at all, like after court, before court? To me, pers- to me and my organization? Yeah. No. No. Okay. I, provide, I provide, so some of my contracts are fee-for-service work, and then some of my contracts are pro bono. And I make, I decided when I went into this line of work with this organization that I was going to dedicate uh, a portion of my time to pro bono legal services for youth and young adults experiencing homelessness. And that's what I do. Okay. Thank you. Um, does anybody else on here have any questions? Okay. They already asked. Good one. <laughs> well, it's been great. 
I appreciate your time, Savannah. Yeah, thank you for talking to us. Thank you for coming on to the podcast today.